I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me, as always, are my two angels, Mr. Eric Smith. Hello, everybody. And the lovely Carl Duty. It's beginning to look a lot like Sith Miss. With every throat I choke. <laughs> And that side note, in the, time, in the time it took me to sing that, three more trailers have dropped. Probably. No, don't look <laughs> at anything. Yes, as of this airing, I will be, um, I won't actually be waiting in line. I don't know if I'll be waiting in line. It'll be 5 o'clock. I'm watching the 7 o'clock showing, and I got IMAX tickets, and our IMAX here locally actually allows you to reserve seating. Ooh, that's nice. So you don't, like, that's how the, a lot of uh, L.A. theaters do it, too. And um, you don't have to get in the line until, like, literally a minute before the movie starts. Yeah, so, we have a, we have a reserve, theater, reserve seating theater here in Buffalo, and that's where the wife and I are going on Friday afternoon. Uh, so, yeah, it's so nice not having to get there. Because I've got friends who are going, and for those of you who are living under a rock, we're talking about Star Wars Force Awakens. Um, I've got friends who are going to non-reserve oh. seating theaters, and they're they're like, yeah, I'm going to get there like an hour. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, then enjoy the front row yeah. or the far side. And enjoy your neck being unable to move for about five hours after you get out of the theater because you're going to be like completely backwards on your seat with it. No, I, I I used to enjoy the line experience, and then after the last um, couple of incidences where I have almost threw down with a chick because of her attitude and her mouthiness and being a complete and utter ass, I have gotten sick of it. And this is so awesome. I don't have to deal with that anymore. So I'm, I'm just going to show up and use my force powers to get a seat. <laughs> Good luck with it. I, that these, means Eric's not going to shower for like two weeks. And that'll be these, it. Are, these are not the seats you're looking for. <laughs> so no one would get around him. But yes, Star Wars is coming. And I hope and pray for your sake that you don't have anything spoiled for you. I've so far been lucky and have not seen anything spoilery. Um, that, but that's one of the things I really, really hate about major releases getting really early um, premieres because even though they have an embargo on them, um, I actually saw on Twitter some one of my friends was complaining because um, one of the sites that actually got lucky enough to go see it early 
um, broke the embargo early by like four hours or something, and it was already up. So I'm not, I'm avoiding everything. Yeah, my social media blackout starts tomorrow afternoon. But at the same time, there seems to be like, almost with the exception of like a couple trolls here and there, most people seem to be behind the whole don't spoil it movement. Yeah, well, and my, I talked with my husband and he said that he's not looked at a single review, but the, you know, the, the, the vague kind of giving away of, of, of what their reaction is to it. They're saying that there's like talk of Oscar nominations. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. I've glanced at some spoiler free reviews and all of them had said, has said exceeds expectations, which were high. <laughs> yeah. This is the most anticipated movie of all time. Someone said, well, he said that one person was quoted as saying, this is the best star Wars movie in 32 years. Wow. <laughs> well, I saw, I think it was uh, on rotten tomatoes. I saw it said there were 108 reviews and 106 were positive. Hmm. Um, but did you see that the, the Facebook page for Star Wars books uh, was shut down? Oh. Uh, they, they actually shut it down themselves because people were threatening to spoil the movie. Why would you do that? There, I've seen so many uh links and postings of people talking about how they're going to spoil the movie as soon as they see it so the the Star Wars books Facebook page voluntarily shut themselves down because there were people on there saying That's... and apparently I guess some spoilery posts made it up on there and because they said they removed them after like they were up for like two minutes but they said that was two minutes too long and they just shut it down. Wow, good for them. And yeah, I don't get it. Why do you want to spoil the movie? Some people just want to be trolls and watch the know, world burn. Give themselves, yeah, give themselves to the dark side. And I just, uh, yeah. I mean, what, what, I am let's focus on see... the happy. <laughs> well, I just, I, I, I think it's important that people know that there is a couple of things out there that keep this from you. Um, Google Chrome actually has a blocker. <laughs> that will block Star Wars spoilers. You can install it on your Chrome browser and it will block them. So you will not have them on there. Also remember to set your Tumblr um, to block anything with like the hashtag Star Wars spoilers or even Star Wars until you've seen the movie. Um, you can do that. Uh, there are a couple of cool things out there right now that um, they're doing as a tie-in. And one of the coolest ones actually has to do with Google Chrome. I don't know if you guys saw it. I posted it on Facebook. Um, there is an app that you can uh, interact with your browser with your, with your phone. You can use an Android or an um, Apple phone. And you can use it as a, as a lightsaber. And it, it connects... To, it connects your phone to the browser, and you are um, basically escaping from the um, the troopers, uh, and it actually works. And so it's it, yeah, it's, it's it's a really cool little fun thing, and it's completely free. I I tried it out today, and it was it was neat. I it didn't run outrageously smoothly, but I think that's because of my own computer limitations well and also probably like 100 people are um are probably using it too you know 
but it's it's really cool. So you can go grab that. Um, there's of course the tie-ins on Facebook now. They've got um, a whole Star Wars sticker set that you can use for your messenger that they've just uploaded. Um, they even has a cute one of um, Nib Nub and uh, Lando Calrissian. It was really cute. There's one, that's probably my favorite because you never see anything <laughs> of Lando. And um, yeah, and then there's of course you can add either a light side or a dark side saber to your Facebook profile picture. Uh, so there's some neat stuff out there that's not spoilery and not dicky and how it's coming across. But yeah, um, I'm, so I can't believe close. it's, I can't believe it's here. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> like, no, no, that, that is a totally acceptable uh, state of mind to be in. Cause it's just like, Everything, if if this movie lives up to its billing, and if everything that everyone is saying is true, it will make episodes one, two, and three worth it. Like if episodes oh, one, two, god, and three, it's are, oh my god, it's got a lot of work to do. If, if, price, if episodes one, two, and three are the price I had to pay to get this, then okay, wash fine. away the taint. That's what I want. I want the taint of those washed away, and I want it. To, and 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 it sounds like that's what we're going to get. And the fact that pre-ticket sales for this have already passed a hundred million dollars for pre-sales. I mean, Not bad. there's there's rock concerts that don't even do that number. Yeah. <laughs> This thing, I swear, if this thing does not take over Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time. There is no justice. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Pocahontas story with blue aliens needs to, to, needs to go away. If it doesn't take it over. Anything else. As dances with wolves. If it doesn't take it over, right. I will be the first one to admit that. That Cameron is unbeatable. <laughs> I'll be uh, like, all right, the only one that could defeat Cameron is Cameron. Okay, well, okay, so I was going to wait and do the Week in Geek first, but we're bringing up things that are in the Week in Geek, so we're going to go Week in Geek first. And one thing I have to talk about that I, I, um, I read about today, which I was kind of floored by, was the kind of a dick move that happened um, by Disney. And I don't know if you guys read about this yet. I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. That is ab- oh, obvious. <laughs> there's no, there's no denying that. That's if you know anything about me. And uh, apparently, Tarantino is really, really, really pissed off at Disney um, because of something they did uh, for uh, the arc light in Hollywood. Uh, is a huge deal, uh, and Tarantino. It's a big thing with him because he, I think, he's part of the crew. Um, I don't think that's the chain he owns part of, but he has a lot of dealings with the ArcLight, and the Cinerama Dome is a big deal for him. And they have seventy millimeter projectors there, so they have, of course, we're going to have Hateful Eight there because that's the big thing with Hateful Eight is that you can find it in seventy millimeter. He filmed it specifically to show. And be able to show in that in that way in theaters because that's old school, beautiful panorama stuff. Well, according to him, he went on Howard Stern and said that the arc light was contacted by Disney. And mind you, he already had his film was already set to be there when it went out. And the arc light was contacted 
and Disney said, look, we want Star Wars playing for the entire holiday season at the Cinerama Dome and at the Arclight um, locations, but we want it in the Cinerama Dome, which is the 70 millimeter place. And they said, well, we can't do that. We have Hateful Eight. And they said that Disney pulled a, a mafia move and went, well, then your, your theater chain is not going to get Star Wars at all. So they backed down and said, we can't say no to the biggest movie of the entire year and went ahead and let them take Tarantino's spot. And he is livid. And rightfully so. So um, I don't know how that's going to play out, but he went on Howard Stern and talked about this. And um, Howard told him that J.J. Abrams and even the the head of, of Disney, one of the guys that's high up there, actually listens to his show. And maybe they can do something to help smooth this out. But, man, Disney, that's some cold fizz. Yeah, I just heard about this uh, like two hours ago. Um, and... It- <laughs> Really, does Star Wars need one more screen? Well, the fact that they actually they actually made him them pull his film that had already gotten the spot, and that the fact that this is a seventy millimeter specific movie that only can be played in a, a limited number of theaters, you know mm-hmm. that, that experience. Star Wars is everywhere. I mean, it's going to be in theaters probably through freaking April of, of next year. I, I exactly. Can, it, it's not like they're going to be hurting. And I, I just find that really, really cold. And, you know, to another film. And I and the thing is, you can't blame J.J. Abrams for this. This is specifically the, the corporate oh, yeah. guys is, at Disney. This is a number puncher wearing a suit somewhere in an office. Yeah. It's not... No, this is not Star Wars itself. It's. I think in protest that this weekend, instead of seeing Star Wars, we should all go see Alvin and the Chipmunks Road Chip. <laughs> you know that they're probably smart releasing that this weekend because all the kids that can't get into the theater for that, the young kids can go to that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, this is just. To me, this is nuts to, to pull. I think that's really just harsh. Um, but um, kind of speaking back to um, you brought up James Cameron, uh, we all kind of were tainted and just, just we, if, if, well, maybe not all of us. I actually went ahead and watched it, Terminator Genesis. <laughs> I went, Genesis? I went, I, oh, I, thought, I thought Terminator Genesis too. I went and saw it in theaters. I'm so sorry. Why did you do yeah. that? <laughs> so, so people people have have gone through the hell of of there was another name I used for it a hashtag that I created that I can't say on the air, but um <laughs> there that happened. So it's called Terminator Star Trek. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Well, come on, let's be honest. That's all Genesis was. It was someone in a suit going. Hey, oh, trying to. This whole, well, yeah, this whole yeah. Universe thing worked for Star Trek. Yeah. Let's do it with our thing. Yeah, don't touch Star Trek with that. That that just I don't even want to yeah. So I, I I don't even want to know how much money they lost on that movie. There's probably quite a bit. Uh so and I think this is called We're gonna really try and save some face. So James Cameron and um the studio DMG are getting together and 
they're going to re-release Terminator 2 in theaters in 3D. So he's going to go back and retool the film for 3D. And uh, I'm actually kind of excited by that. Because if anybody knows 3D, as we've mentioned about Avatar, <laughs> and and is going to lovingly, you know, take care of this movie, they're going to convert it using the latest tech for 3D. And this is kind of one of those things that's going to be like a big old loofah to scrounge <laughs> the crud of Genesis away from us and remind us, oh, yeah, this is this is why we love this so much. You know what I would rather see? And it's actually the 25th anniversary of the movie too, by the way, next year. I'm so old. I'm old too. Uh, (laughs) No, I think normally when I hear about something like this, I'm just like, Oh, really? Like I'm not opposed to seeing a movie like this in theaters. Again, I love theater experience. Um, I like when like Fathom does a lot of re-releases. I'm really excited because I think in February they're doing the Maltese Falcon. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to see that in the big screen. Um, 3d for me, I, most of the times I will not go and see a 3d movie because 3d doesn't really work unless it's a encompassing your complete field of vision, which is why it's best to see an IMAX and B if it was shot in 3d, not converted 3d, but both, but, there are some very rare exceptions. One of which, surprisingly enough, was the Jurassic Park re-release. Well, they I'll... converted that to 3D, and it was absolutely fantastic. Well, one of the things that that you got to remember too about Cameron is he did this with Titanic, and uh, I know people that went and saw that in the theater in 3D and were blown away by how amazing it was in 3D. He went back and retooled the whole film. And according to the numbers, the re-release, the re-release of Titanic in 3D made almost $400 million. That is yeah, that's, insane. That's, so that's not surprising. And a, I don't think Terminator 2 will do that number, but I think it'll be definitely a success. And I, I will definitely go and see that because especially it's James Cameron. Yeah. He is like the 3D guru. <laughs> right. And and like I said, they retooled Titanic. I can actually see Terminator 2 being more appropriate for uh, for 3D. Titanic, yeah. though, um, a longer film probably costs a lot more money to do it. But I mean, at the end of that movie with the whole ship cracking and all of the water and all of that was probably phenomenal to see on a big screen. And I think they did do that in IMAX, didn't they? I I don't know. I can't remember. They probably did. But um, so I'm kind of I'm really excited by that and also depressed that I'm that old. Um, (laughs) If if you're depressed, what do you think I am? Dude, no, I, I, I just realized, too, someone posted that Weird Science was 30 years ago this year. Oh. <laughs> it's just, I'm just sick. It makes me sick. Yeah. Um. So one thing I wanted to share with everyone before we go on to um our we have a couple of TV recaps to go over, but um, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about uh was a really cool thing that um has been going on there. They're on their third season, and that is Tales from Beyond the Pale. And I, uh, I I shared a link to this to Eric and, and Carl. I don't know if they had a chance to, to listen to them yet. 
Um, but Tales from the Beyond the Pale is done, um, it's actually uh, Stuart Gordon and a bunch of really amazing horror guys and girls are doing this. And it's a, a radio play, as they say, for the digital age. And um, you can go on the website, it's talesfrombeyondthepale.com, and they have a couple of them streaming right now that you can listen to and they're on their third season which um the third season's uh actually available i believe now um one of them is the hp lovecraft story the hound and another one that is really getting a lot of play and i listened to and it was amazing was one called the chambers tape these are really high end. They're they're you know how um I've talked about big finish on this show. These are really high end audio dramas. They're really well put together. They're done by professionals. They've got special effects and everything. And they also have voice talent by people like Vincent D'Onofrio, Sean Young. Um, they've got uh uh and the 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 main voice in. The one that I loved, uh, the Chambers tape, was Misha Collins, who you know from Supernatural. And they're just really freaking amazing. Ron Perlman and Doug Jones are in there, too. And they're all, like, horror, sci-fi, or crossover stories that are written by, like, guys like Larry Fessenden. Um, uh, Like I said, H.P. Lovecraft's in there. Graham Resnick does one. It, it, they're just really amazing stuff. And the Chambers tape one has gotten like a number one spot on iTunes for audio drama, drama download or something like that. And it so deserves it. It will trip you out. Um, that specific one, it um, it's a recreation of one of those, you know, those, those relaxation and... Um, uh, tapes that you you do to get like in the zone and go zen out and help you find inner peace and that kind of crap and so the tape is uh voiced by uh misha collins who's dr chambers and there's all these really creepy special effects and there's trigger words he's talking about but it's so well done that you actually find yourself kind of doing some of the the things that he's asking you to do during the tape like you, you should speak now. Say these words. And you actually find yourself kind of doing it because it's, it's really creepy and well done. <laughs> and then you find out that things aren't what they seem. And they take a turn during the tape. And how it's done is so smart. You're going to freak out. So even if you don't get the entire third season... I really, really recommend the Chambers tape just because of how good it is. And these aren't short. These are like 40-minute long each things. And they're really, really well done. So um, totally go find them. They're tellsfrombeyondthepale.com. Um, I am hoping to get some of the voice talent from this as guests on the show. Um, I'm actually going to have some reviews written up for this, too, on, our, on fangirlmag.com. But I can't say enough about it. I love this kind of stuff. I love audio drama, uh, as is evident by how much we do on this show for Halloween. But there's some amazing stuff on there. You you guys need to really check it out. Cool. Yeah, I, cool. I can't say <laughs> enough about it. Um, so we're going to move on to the – I think Eric and I are going to get 
into a war of words, according to him, um, with our TV <laughs> recap. And we are now going to talk I Zombie because I loved this new episode of I Zombie and I, I really, really enjoyed it. So um, Cape Town has to deal with the death of one of the um, we actually do have those in Seattle. There are um, superhero the superheroes. They actually do exist in Seattle. Um, and uh, so what happens is one is murdered and Liv eats his brain to and, and she's desperate to get a new brain because she's having major she's having major issues. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. She's having a lot of issues with major um, because of her stalker brain and also the fact that Major it had his his tryst, unbeknownst to live with her roommate, and she saw the text message and pictures from said roommate um, that was sent to Major because she was freaking out with her stalker brain. And well, that so she eats this and becomes a superhero, which I thought that whole thing was great. I really loved that, um, and I also loved the fact that. Um, you know, Blaine shows up, and they have to. They have to. Now, I forgot who that guy was that they saved. Mm-hmm. Was he previously in the show? Uh, I believe he was. God, I can't remember. But they end up saving the guy who um, was accidentally shot uh, by zombifying him because he knows where all the tainted utopium is. And well, <laughs> well, supposedly they they use that ruse, but he really kind of doesn't. Um, and as that's going on, um, we find out that Major, I I actually really love these scenes with Major and the zombie hooker. Yeah. I really did. And the reason I liked it is because it treated the, the, because usually if you have like sex workers represented in shows, they tend to be scummy. They tend to be drug addicts. They tend to be gross people and this show handled that whole thing so and this is going to sound weird so adult but not in that way but in a way that was actually um respectful of it she she was like a nara yeah it was respectful it wasn't gross it wasn't nasty she knew what she was doing she enjoyed her job she was smart about it, and what happened with the zombification thing was sort of the fallout of of the profession in one way. And I loved that whole aspect of it. I loved that she was so smart, and mm-hmm. it was tragic. And how she explained it, and I loved how they used that to have Major kind of realize the deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that was brilliantly handled. Um, and I, I I liked that Liv finally came to terms with the fact that, you know, it's never going to work. Even though he was trying, it would never really work between them. They she and, and I liked her because a lot of people were, like to compare this show to Dollhouse, and that's not really how it is. And um, the, the brain's affect her yeah but she her point was i've changed myself well uh, the biggest difference i think is 
Liv still has her own personality, whereas in Dollhouse, right. uh, Eliza, Dushku's, Eliza Dushku's character, when she wasn't programmed, or whatever they called it, was just a blank slate. Yeah. There was nothing to her. She was a doll. For the most part, yeah. Whereas Liv is always Liv. She just sometimes gets this little extra bit. Well, and I love the explanation that, that was given to Major on how to describe what it felt like. Mm-hmm. I love that too because it finally got through to him because he was being kind, he was being a dick and he'd never had to deal with the whole brain thing because he mm-hmm. got instantly cured. But I really liked how they explained that. I liked the part with I thought that was so cool watching Liv kick ass too. By the way, um, <laughs> so I really enjoyed this episode. The thing I didn't like was the whole Babino fallout. That kind of felt weird to me mm-hmm. and forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ending was even more trap for Ravi, you know, and the how, what's that going to do to everybody else, you know, with the, the realizing the cure wasn't permanent. Well, it, yeah, I agree with the Babino thing, especially considering he's supposed to be a bad boy of the police force. Exactly. You know, um, yeah, she went all vigilante superhero, but. Someone of had all to. <laughs> people to understand what she was doing, it should be him because exactly. he's the one that's, you know, that's his role as a cop. Um, I just, I'm so sick of the off and on and off and on with Liv and Major. Well, and I think um, it's, I, I think it's done because she's. But I, is it because I now we so. we know that he's going to convert back to being a zombie? Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm I'm really tired of that. I think you just want her with Blaine. No, I don't. <laughs> no, Blaine. Blaine's got to be free to be Blaine. <laughs> you can't. Uh, you can't handle the Blaine. <laughs> exactly. I love Blaine. I just. Um, Oh, all that – the personal relationship stuff is just getting old. I'm glad uh, the redhead wasn't in this episode, although it does seem strange that Major never goes to Liv's place. Yeah, and this was the one time that he did, and I was like, oh, is she going to walk out? Oh. Yeah, that's – I was kind of – She didn't walk out. <laughs> but it's like – They've never he he ever since he and Liv got back together he doesn't go over there they they, yeah. they've never run into each other at the place just seems forced um I it wasn't not that it was a bad episode I just didn't think it was one of the best episodes of the season so far I um, I really loved it I I liked the whole comic book thing it was a nice nod to what the the sports I, <laughs> I did like the other. The other superheroes. <laughs> and that um, was the blue swallow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mr. Boss is, we'll see what happens with him. Um, of course, I loved Blaine. And yeah, it's really the, the big thing with uh, Ravi at the end was, to me, that was the best, most interesting part of this episode. Well, and poor Ravi, he's trying so hard. So he's out there sneaking around. So, I mean... At the worst, they can at least inoculate, maybe, with it if they and have it for a, a, however long it lasts. But it just really, because Ravi got bit by a rat, and that didn't infect him. But you know, now we have Blaine's going to be rezombified. He's not going to be. Mm-hmm. That may be more 
um, that may be more um, ammunition for him, though, to go help her look for the actual cure mm-hmm. instead. But, you know, they're also pushing him to, to be in a relationship with her best friend, some Peyton. And I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, what, that's what I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see what happens when Liv figures out and how is she, well, you know, how is she going to explain it to her? She's already, I guess she already knows that she's a zombie, so she can actually say it. But mm-hmm. now you're going to have, you know, you know, Blaine doesn't have any problems infecting people. <laughs> I, just love, I, I Blaine is just such a great character. And I love when he was trying to explain things to the guy that they infected. And he's like, <laughs> oh, wait, I buried the lead. Zombies are real. <laughs> and then he's going on and, oh, wait, I, yeah, you're going to need deep brains. So I probably should have mentioned that. Wow, I need to make pamphlets. <laughs> I need I need cards, <laughs> index cards for this. Just such a great character. All right, so I'm gonna let the guys because I I missed it, but I, I I found out too late that it had actually been a new episode. There was a new episode of of your guys's favorite show, correct? Well, last week was the mid season finale. Yep. Yep. And <clears throat> we and this obviously... is the flash that we're talking about. Yeah, The Flash. And obviously, you've heard us talk about this show a lot. Obviously, if you've heard that, you know that both Eric and I really love this show. Oh, yeah. It was a good episode. It was a great episode. Let's put that aside. I want to focus on Mark Hamill. I want to talk about (laughs) Mark Hamill. Because in this episode, like, when you think of Mark Hamill, if you're like a casual uh, geek nerd, fanboy fangirl what have you you're just like oh it's you know it's luke skywalker he does this this and this but like if you if you know this guy you know like his his body of work it goes so far beyond that a little background here a little history when the original flash tv show was on in the 90s mark hamill was cast as the trickster yep and he was awesome he was fantastic, and it was that performance of the trickster that caught the attention of Andrea Romano and Bruce Tim, and they brought him in to audition for the Joker for the Batman animated series, who originally had been cast as Tim Curry, but they thought they heard his laugh on the flash and brought him in, and the rest, as they say, is history. We now identify... Like, when I'm reading a Batman comic and I'm reading the Joker, I hear Mark Hamill's voice. So, for me, he is not only just identified as, like, Luke Skywalker, he's also the quintessential Joker. He's done the Joker in numerous other outlets. This episode of The Flash and the previous episode he was on as the Trickster is such an amazing performance because... (laughs) The trickster, the character himself, is just a cheap knockoff of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Mark Hamill's performance, he goes right up to that point of just doing the Joker and then just like holds it there. He does as much as the trickster as he originated in the original TV show as he can in this series without doing the joker which to me is an incredible that's hard incredible yeah. performance what did you think eric uh, i thought he was fantastic i i loved him in his first appearance in this new uh this new show 
Uh, of course, I loved him back in the when he was on the show in the '90s. But I absolutely loved what he did, and yeah, his his performance in this this latest episode was just amazing. Um, his sort of controlled chaos, which to me is the the difference there. Uh, the Joker is more ju- real chaos, uncontrolled, but the trickster seems to have a slight bit of a rain on it. Yeah. And, and he just, the subtleties of his performance without, as you say, going over the top, he doesn't step over that line into Joker territory. He just holds that note right there. Well, the cool and, thing about Mark Hamill, too, is he's a complete geek. He, oh, yeah. He's a huge comic book nerd. Yeah, he's he's incredibly knowledgeable, not just about, like, comics, but uh, animation history, voice acting history, uh, Broadway history. He He's just a fountain of entertainment knowledge. And from everything I've heard from people who've had a chance to to talk with him, He's so gracious and is so willing to talk about so many different things. And he doesn't mind talking about Star Wars. And it's well, it's so it's it's nice to see that. You know, he'll he'll always be cockknocker to me. <laughs> <laughs> Avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I'd forgotten Cockknocker. <laughs> Thank you for but, reminding me of Cockknocker. <laughs> aside from Mark Hamill, it was just uh, an all-around. I think an all-around great episode. Um, yeah. I I love the way Zoom looks. Yeah, I just love that that yeah, costume really and that really weird mouth thing going on with the stretchy yeah. claw over the mouth. It kind of looks like, you know, back from the Matrix when they were raising Neo's mouth, yeah. like mid-process. It looks like that, but it's, it uh, works. It looks really cool. The yeah, it's thing really too cool. is that that is Tony Todd's voice. Yes. The candy yes. man. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of uh, what's-her-name having the Bad. whole vendetta against Weather Wizard. Um, you know, why does it always have to be personal? Why? I think, yeah, I can kind of see that. But at the same time, I think they did it, they addressed it, and they're probably not. It's not something that's going to get hashed on. Not something yeah. that's going to be like a barrier for her and Barry's relationship. Um, it was it was necessary for the episode to work for the episode, and I think they resolved it nicely. And hopefully they won't go back to it again and again. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I believe it's over. I just, it's like, come on. Eric has a problem with relationships. Why can't someone become a cop just because they want to become a cop? Why do they always have to have some tragedy in their in their backstory that I I mentioned this in a in a book review that I did where it's just uh, it's a crazy statistic in fiction. It seems like every cop, every detective is. It thinks they're Batman. They have some tragedy that they have to to avenge or or something. Nobody just becomes a cop because it seems they want to help people. And well, I, I think know, because it's, it just it's it's fiction and it makes for a more interesting story than just wanting to help people. <laughs> no, nah. I think it's it's. I think yeah. at this point it's just a cliche. 
Well, let's move on to, uh, we actually, I'm sorry, but we actually have a great interview tonight um, that we're going to uh, bring on the CEO of Harvest Moon Motion Picture Studio and Television Studio. Uh, Sean Anthony is going to be joining us. But speaking of movies, before we bring him on... <laughs> We gotta go through the trailer. First. We have to go through the. I call this the rise of the trailers. We oh, were man. hit by so many trailers over the last week. It's nuts. Yeah, and I think we have to go back because we didn't have a show last week. We have to go back to was arguably the biggest trailer to hit in the past two weeks, which is the Batman versus Superman trailer. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah, well, that I, and see, poor Carl. What? He what? had faith. I did. I never had faith in. I did. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Carl what? had faith. <laughs> I have never had any faith in this movie. I, there is no hope in me for this. I have enough faith for all of us. I don't have any faith in this movie at all. And this trailer, which gave every, it gave more money shots than Debbie does Dallas. Okay, every money shot in the movie, I don't even need to see the movie anymore. They showed it to me in the trailer with uh, Ninja Turtle Doomsday showing up at the end. Yeah, it's it's really like the first full trailer they released for this movie. You're kind of like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe then this trailer comes out and you're just like, nope, sorry. Yeah, and I came out and I was like, yes. Why? Yeah, why? Make make please, your arguments. Please make your argument. Uh, Batman looks awesome. It's the best bat costume he, he ever. I, uh, I the only thing I I'll tell you the only thing I didn't like about this trailer was Lex Luthor. Um, Junior. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, and I don't understand why it's a big deal that Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne are meeting. And why wouldn't a reporter know who Bruce Wayne was? Yeah, first of all, he should know who Bruce Wayne is. And second of all, is I mean, this doesn't take place that long after Man of Steel, does it? Has Clark Kent already made such a name for himself that it's a big deal that this super famous billionaire guy is meeting this reporter? I, that I, part, I, that's the only thing I didn't like. You like the look of Doomsday who looks like they basically took the layer off of the CG turtle and put spikes on it? First of all... They matched up a turtle from Lord of the Rings and a He looks turtle. like, except for missing the little bone things over his eyes, to me, he looked like Doomsday. You've clearly not seen a picture of Doomsday. <laughs> the spikes <laughs> maybe weren't as big, but he was gray and spiky. That's Doomsday. Uh, I can't. I, I can't do have, it. I can't do it. I have a problem with Doomsday. Wonder Woman looks fantastic. Um, Wonder Woman does look good. No, uh, and, and, but you know what? Now we know how she gets introduced as Wonder Woman, and in, into the mix. Even though, why do they? They even in the previous trailers, though, they showed her walking around. So why don't they recognize her? Because the only difference with Wonder Woman, she's not wearing glasses. She looks the same. Well, we don't really know like that thread with the glasses <laughs> being a disguise. At least he's trying. I mean, he's not even trying, man. <laughs> did, you, did either of you ever read the original The Tick comic book? Oh, God, a long time ago. They had a Superman character in that book, and he was a reporter who wore the glasses and everything. And he was fighting 
as the reporter, he ended up fighting the tick. And the tick knocks his glasses off and goes, oh, my God, you look like whatever the character's name was. And the dude just takes his hands. And you know how you make those goggles with your fingers like you make the OK sign and then put them upside down over your eyes? <laughs> the guy just does that. And the tick is like, oh, for a second there, I thought you were <laughs> generic <laughs> Superman, whatever his name was, because that's how ridiculous those glasses are. But uh uh, so, yeah, and I don't know about Diana Prince walking around. I have seen those scenes, but, you know, it's all out of yeah. Obviously, context at not, this point. Yeah, I like Man of Steel. I like Man of Steel. I think the Christopher Nolan movies are highly overrated. I'm excited for this movie. You are the only one that I know of after seeing that trailer, though, that, that is, that out of the people I've talked to. Because... I mean, I've had everyone just go, oh, well, yeah, no. Because I that thesis that we argued about on previously on the show had so many people excited because it, it actually had more depth and thought put into it. And people can be like, no, this is rabid fanboy, whatever. I'm like, well, at least they put thought and depth into it. This Are is obvious. The, the one with the death stroke? Yeah. Oh, jeez, you got to get off that. I know. I don't care. <laughs> I, that, I would have – you could have had that or so you, can have, you can have the cookie-cutter crap that we just saw in that trailer. But we don't know that it's going to be cookie-cutter crap. You, from that trailer, we've seen the whole film. We, we pretty much have. Well, the only thing the I heard – The Tron trailers. The, the only thing... trailers gave this whole film away, and it was still a good movie. <laughs> yeah, but Marvel. Come on. I, 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 was, I, I was trying to remember if I thought Ultron was a good movie or not. No. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Marvel has established their formula. Marvel movies are fun. They don't take themselves too seriously. They're aware of the world they exist in, and the play they play by the rules of that world. DC is trying to ram their characters into quote-unquote real-world scenarios. They're so dark and dreary. There's and no hope to them. There's no fun to them. It's just, yeah, they're trying to catch up with Marvel in one stroke, and they're not going to do it. Um, I think all the Batman stuff in the trailer looked fine. I think Ben Affleck will make a, a fantastic Batman. Uh, the Superman stuff does not look good at all. Uh, Wonder Woman, for the, the brief moment she was in the trailer, looked fine. Doomsday looks terrible. Lex Luthor looks terrible. It just seems like Lex it's Luther looks terrible. Dark, dark, depressed. It's like Jesse Eisenberg looked at the Riddler and Batman Forever and said, yeah, I'll do that. Ugh. And I'll do it worse, <laughs> which is, is saying yeah. something. <laughs> Um, so let's move on. Okay. From let's yeah. move on from Batman and Superman. <laughs> let's, let's talk about something pretty. I, I want to... I, I want to I want to mention this one because I don't think anyone else will mention it, but I want to mention Kubo and the Two Strings looks beautiful. It's by Leica Studios. They're the ones that did um, Paranorman, and I believe they also did uh, Coraline, and it looks gorgeous. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, go look at it. Um, it's more stop motion that looks like it's. It, it looks alive and it's so beautiful. They've got voice talent of Charlize Theron, um, Rooney Mara, Rafe Fiennes, George Takei, 
um, Carrie Tagawa, and um, even Matthew McConaughey is in this, and it looks gorgeous. Do yourself a favor, go find the trailer and watch it. Um, did I they also do the box trolls? I think they did the box trolls as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything beautiful stop motion anymore? <laughs> it's them. Yeah. They uh, they do it. And the other one I really wanted to mention really quickly because I just thought it looked awesome and it could suck horribly, but it looks good to me right now. Is the Legend of Tarzan? That oh, looks so so torn. So torn. <laughs> I love the fact that Christoph Waltz is the bad guy. I think Alexander Skarsgård looks like he doubled himself in size. He looks <laughs> huge. Um, yeah. And and the it just looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. It, it looks beautiful. I've, I've been a Tarzan fan since I was a wee lad. Me too. In the jungle. Um, you've been a Tarzan fan since I was a wee lad? I've been a Tarzan fan since I was a wee lad. Uh, right. <laughs> Take that as you will. (laughs) Read the books many, many times. I love Johnny Weissmuller. I think the Christopher Lambert movie has been the best adaptation yet. Um, Greystoke. Which isn't necessarily saying much. Yes, Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, one of the longest movie titles ever. (laughs) Um, So this movie looks like it has a lot of good elements but it also looks like it maybe deviates a little too much from the source material. Well, I, and I'm really it, looking for a, a really good, true adaptation. I'm not prejudging the movie. It does look... It takes place kind of... Very it, nice. It takes place and, after he's already been acclimated back to society. Which is fine. Yeah. As long as we get some backstory. But And, and I like I, I, I like the... I've never liked the, ooh, me, Tarzan, you, Jane stuff. It's like, no, he learned how to speak multiple languages. He's not an idiot. So I like that he's back in society and then has to, of course, go back to the jungle, hopefully. I like, his, I like his little his little teacup lift with the finger. Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> the little finger. He's all very dainty. I'm, I'm so, about to catch a whole lot of flack here. Um, I've never read Tarzan books. That's fine. My favorite, my favorite Tarzan has always been the Disney, the animated the cartoon? Tarzan. Yeah. I like the Disney cartoon. I, like I the love Disney that. Version. That's that's literally like my Disney favorite Disney animated version. And but I don't I like try to make an argument for it as being like the definitive. I'm like, you know what? This is just a really nice, enjoyable movie that I feel captures the spirit of the character. I just always love the Johnny Weissmuellers. I have the entire run of those films. I thought they were fun. Um, the original two, first two were really, really before code. They were before code. And <laughs> um, they had, like, nude scenes and stuff, too. Like, and they, um, when they re-released them on DVD, they included all of those that were cut for um, the afternoon viewing that I had as a child. So you got to see all of it. And they were, um, they were very risque for the time. But they were. I loved more. I loved uh, him, and I loved. I believe it was Maureen Sullivan played her. That they were fun. I just. I. I don't like the the ignorant Tarzan. It's the same problem I always have with Frankenstein's monster. You know. <laughs> you must hate that SNL skit. <laughs> I love that SNL skit though, because that's it's hilarious. Fire bad, red, good. <laughs> Time to love, love Frankenstein. Tarzan. I actually loved it when uh, Mel Gibson was on. Yes, yes, fire bad, bread good. That's very nice. <laughs> but, uh, um, God, I forgot about that. But I, I just, 
I want to see them as they and not that there are bad that the 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 non true versions are necessarily bad. I just want for once to have a real true version. I, I, I think you're going to get that with this because what the whole what I I've read so. about this movie is he reverts back because he has to in order to save her and survive against this onslaught. Yeah, um, that's done in the like almost every book that's what happens and and that's what i think you're gonna get with this and i think i i have a good feeling about it and and i think it looks beautiful it looks so good um the other movie and and carl i think this is the one you were gonna bring up was was it independence day no the one i was gonna bring up was what looks to be the next cg uh craptastic disaster and we touched on it in Batman v Superman was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, of the Shadows. Oh god. Oh god it looked like But that. it has I'm the going, Turtmobile. I'm going, I'm going to start out I'm going to start out with what I thought what I was very surprised by is looking really good was Bebop and Rocksteady. They mm-hmm. look straight out of the cartoon series and if it was any other Ninja Turtles movie I'd say wow this looks awesome. <laughs> But the rest of it, no, like... <laughs> the rest of it just looks like hot garbage. And this was a movie where they filmed a lot of it in my own backyard here in Buffalo, New York. And I just, I don't care. <laughs> Bebop and Rock, Rocksteady look great. The rest of it is hot garbage. Let's move on. But you have the Green Arrow as Casey Jones. And he's and wasted. You know this. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. He, he's going to be wasted. I don't think they're going to do Casey Jones well. It's just, it's the first movie was horrible garbage. Uh, this one looks to be pretty much the same. Moving it right along, um, Jess, you brought up another big trailer that dropped that I think you and I are going to differ on, and that is the long awaited sequel to Independence Day, uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, yeah. Sans Will Smith. That well, no one asked, the, 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 the sequel that no one asked for. And no one I else. asked for the sequel, but here's actually here's the funny thing. I did ask for a sequel, but the sequel that I asked for is the same sequel I ask for for any like mass destruction, whether it be nature, alien invasion, what have you. Any mass destruction film is I want to see a movie about how society rebuilds after that. Now, granted, we're not we're clearly not getting that with this because it follows like a, a realistic timeline of 20 years later but i enjoyed the first movie because all it was was a fun summer popcorn film didn't try to be anything else it knew what it was and played to its strengths and it looks like this one is doing the exact same thing it's just gonna it's gonna be a fun you don't have to put a lot of thought into it it's summertime we're gonna blow some stuff up you know, it's it's a popcorn movie. We we love it, it we love like you it know, was... the old sci-fi drive-in B movies. That's essentially what this is, it, just like with a multi-million-dollar budget. It looks like it's trying to be so dark this time around. Like you even have, it's obvious that President Lone Star is probably going to die, <laughs> and you know, I, I just I I can't take the movie seriously, and. I couldn't stand the original. It just, it was, it didn't even 
try to, to hide the fact that it was a War of the Worlds ripoff, but, you know, we can save the world with a Mac, so we're going to do it. And I just, it just, ugh, I, I can't it's stand not, it. It's not, trying, it's not trying to hide what it is. It's out there like, hey, you want to see some stuff blow up? You want to see some <laughs> fun action scenes? This is this is what we got for you. Well, yeah, it's for the world's so- ripoff. With a multi-million dollar budget. It, ironically enough, it's a better War of the Worlds than the Tom Cruise one. <laughs> That's not saying much. Which side of the argument do you think I'm going to fall on? I think you're going to fall on my side. I, I agree with Jess. I think you're going to fall on Jess's side. I am going to fall on Jess's side. Very good. <laughs> Yay, if, we're back from my zombie. <laughs> if, if, the first, if the first movie was a piece of summer fluff, this looks like belly button lint. Ooh, nice um, analogy. <laughs> oh, I, I don't. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, I. I have no interest whatsoever in seeing this film, except that Jeff Goldblum's in it because I love that man. He uh, did that instead of Jurassic World. It hurts my feelings. Yeah, that's kind of hurtful. But yeah, I just nothing in the trailer interested me at all. Well, I gotta, I gotta bring up because we we need to bring in on a guest here pretty soon. But I have to bring up Star Trek. Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek, ironically enough, I saw this trailer after I saw the Independence Day trailer. The Independence Day trailer, I was like, oh, okay, it looks fun. This trailer, I just face palmed and just went, really. Well, the, really. The, have you heard about? the big thing now because i want to know where all this hate's coming from i personally loved into darkness i thought it was great i thought it was a nice homage i liked how they utilized the whole new timeline for it i loved benedict cumberbatch's con my biggest complaint with this movie was the fact that they made it such a big deal to hide who he was but ew like months before (laughs) spoiled it um but I really, really loved Into Darkness. I thought it was fun. I liked what it was. It was great. It felt like a Star Trek movie. Star Trek Beyond. I thought this... Into Darkness was a great Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it beget. So there you go. So this trailer comes out, and it's by the it's the first time in this new canon that we have a new director other than Abrams because he's off doing Star Wars, and you've got the guy who did like four, I think, of the Fast and the Furious movies. And the entire trailer for the first time ever was entirely Beastie Boys, which <laughs> I, I, I understand that Beastie Boys plays in this because of the first two movies. It's there in both of them. But for the entire trailer, for that to be the soundtrack to it, no. Also, the fact that in this movie, in the trailer, I have no flipping idea what is happening. At least give me some idea if you're giving me a minute and a half trailer of the film, you don't have to spoil the whole film, but give me an idea. And just the, the erratic action shots, you can tell what this is going to be. And a lot of people are going, what? But the part, and I'm going to let you talk here in just a second, but I have to get this out. The part that is killing me is um, the the director now is going around, and I think this is really a thing trying to play, Justin Lin is trying to play your um, Star Wars fans against your Star Trek fans right now. I think that's what's happening. They're, they're trying to do that thing where the Trekkies versus Star Wars fans. 
And he came out and said that they're completely disregarding into darkness and very, very um, kind of pompously disregarded J.J. Abrams's film. So to me, that's ridiculous. There's only been, this is going to be the third movie and you're already saying you're disregarding an entire third of your franchise? What? <laughs> yep. This is this is the first time in recorded history that the song Sabotage has not made something better. <laughs> he's on a he's on a, a dirt bike, you know. Like, like seriously, if I got to fight a group of ninjas, cue me up some Sabotage. Cuz <laughs> that's what I need. Um yeah, I didn't I liked the first Star Trek movie, the reboot. Um I was not I, like I said, I thought Into Darkness was a good Star Wars film. I didn't think it was a bad film. Uh, it just didn't feel completely like Star Trek to me. So far, granted, this is a first trailer. We've got a long time for us films out. This feels nothing like Star Trek to me. This yeah. just feels like an, an action film. And I would highly recommend it. Look up um, George Takei's reaction to Star Trek trailer. Because he, he nails it. He's like, this looks like a great action film. I see nothing of what is Star Trek in here. Well, somebody, and I got to agree with him. One of my friends, it may have, um, oh no, one of my friends online said loosely based on the work of George or um, Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> Extremely loosely yeah. by the fact that it is called Star Trek. Yeah. The other thing that's kind of sad is the fact that this is co-written by Simon Pegg. Yeah. Which... Here's the thing. Yeah. Um, the first two of the new Star Trek movies, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, um, are great, fun science fiction movies. But I think they both lack whatever that spark is that made Star Trek Star Trek. I don't know if it's a yeah. certain depth, a certain uh, subtle and sometimes not so subtle political undertone. Um, it, it, they, I love both of the movies so far. And this trailer doesn't really tell us anything of the story. But it looks like, you know, again, I try to stay positive. I'm not going to see the first trailer and say, well, this looks like crap. I'm going to wait and give it a chance. But to me, none of them are, they, they lack that something that makes them Star Trek. They're still good, fun science fiction movies that in, well, as I think it was George Takei that said, uh, they're science fiction movies in Star Trek costume. <laughs> nice. Um, which is fine. Yeah. You know, it's it's a new generation, not the next generation, a new generation. <laughs> um, Thank God it's not Enterprise. They're entertaining, uh, which is what I want when I go to the movies. I just want to be entertained. Um, so I'm not one of those people that cries foul that it's not exactly like the original series or any of the other stuff. I love Into Darkness. Cumberbatch was fantastic. Um, but I'm not... I don't expect them to evoke the same feeling as the original show or the wrath of Khan or the, the best of the original movies. Well, Let's just go and have a good time. Well said. I, I'm, I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to be hopeful. Um, with that, 
we're going to bring in our special guest for tonight, and I'm going to bring him on right now. Real real quick, Jess, before we do that, uh, two trailers. Let's just give a quick thumbs up, thumbs down on. Um, uh, What was the the Harry Potter? Oh, Extraordinary Beasts. Extraordinary Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, Jess, thumbs up, thumbs down. Don't know. Yeah, I didn't see it. I I don't know how I feel about it because it's sort of, uh, it was so short. I think he's doing a damn fine Matt Smith impression. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So far, I'm going to say thumbs up because it's it's an interesting foray into an established world with like not using any of the established characters, at least that we know of so far. All so right. I'm going to say thumbs up. And um, second one, X-Men Apocalypse. Thumbs up. I think it looks good. I think it looks good. I'm Gee, going I'm gonna... to say thumb, ten, uh, tentative. Except Apocalypse's voice. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's... it's too soft. <laughs> well, they may, they may work voice, on that. Apocalypse's voice should sound like James Earl Jones' voice <laughs> and Wilson Dalton's voice had a baby. That's oh what that voice should sound like. And, and every bass, bass uh, speaker in the theater would explode. That's what would happen. Yes. I, you took Error, the, I was going to say, down. I was going to say tentative thumbs up. Um, I, I just don't understand why Nightcrawler always has the scarification. Why can't he just be a fuzzy blue elf? Well, I think they're trying to make him still at least look somewhat like, um, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It could, it's, it's still within that same cinematic. He's universe. younger. So it could be before he got those the scarification or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it looks Jubilee looks cool. The other characters look cool. Apocalypse doesn't look like that guy from Power Rangers anymore. They made they made sure um, that they fixed that. Yeah. Archangel looks cool. So yeah, tentative thumbs up. All right, guys. So I want to welcome our special guest to the show. <laughs> he he has been listening to us ramble on about about comic books now. Um, so I want to welcome Sean Anthony to the show. He is the CEO and head of Harvest Moon Motion Picture and Television Studios. Hey, Jessica. Hello, sir. Um, welcome to Fangirl Radio. And let me introduce you to Mr. Eric Smith. Hello, Hello Eric. Sean. Hey, Eric. How are you? And Mr. Carl Duty, and yes, that is his real name. I, yeah, I love it. I love it. Just the way you would think, D-O-O-D-Y. <laughs> well, at least you're not getting introduced as a special guest. You know, what does that really mean? Special? <laughs> <laughs> you know. mm, I never thought of it that way. Well, Thank well, you. <laughs> well, Jeff, what, we, we've, we've gone over some trailers that we've had some differing opinions on. Maybe our guests can be like the deciding vote. So let's go. Th- let's shoot through a quick list of trailers and ask them if you've seen them and thumbs up, thumbs down. How about that? That's good. Let's do it. So um, let's go with first. We'll say Tarzan, the new Tarzan film. Well, you know, I got to say a thumbs up on that just simply because, you know, it's Skarsgård. You can't go wrong with Skarsgård. Yes. yes. Skarsgård. <laughs> Batman versus Superman. Well, you know, um, I'm going to give that a thumbs up because I think that's going to surprise everybody. Thank God, you. God, I, I hope I don't, so. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I've seen some fan theories and I agree. I don't think it's Batman versus Superman. Uh, I think it's actually a uh, Batman five. And, uh, and, and I think that that's going to surprise people. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows. Uh, they can stay in the shadows. Thumbs down. <laughs> Go back into the toilet. <laughs> That's right. Um, Independence Day resurgence. 
You know, I have mixed emotions about that. I'm upset that Will Smith didn't take the opportunity to uh, to reprise his role. And the way that they kill him off of the film is very disappointing, especially after he survived, you know, the alien attack. So I'm going to I'm going to be on the fence on that one. I'm not going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. All right. That's cool. We did. We did that for a couple of them. Um, fantastic beasts and where to find them. Thumbs down. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Star Trek Beyond. Oh, that's another tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to give that one a thumbs up. I'm going to have to give it a thumbs up. Oh, Yay. And <laughs> finally, finally, X-Men Apocalypse. Um, I, you know, I have to agree with the voice thing on Apocalypse. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's like kind of like putting a Smurf inside a giant suit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will give it a thumbs up because I think it's going to be pretty badass. What do you think about Kubo and the two strings? Cause I, a lot of people, um, haven't talked about that one yet. And I think it looks gorgeous. I think cinematically it, it does look stunning, and hopefully it can live up to the hype. So I'd have to give that one a thumbs up just off the trailer. Awesome. Awesome. So um, Sean, as I said, is the head of Harvest Moon Motion Picture and Television Studio, and he's also a filmmaker himself. Uh, has directed quite a number of films, and he is also, like me, a giant Hoobian. I'm just going to throw that out there. Absolutely. Um, but I want you to tell everyone about a little bit about your background, because you also have quite the interesting background, because you started out, um, or you worked very long time in the, uh, the, mag- the magician industry or illusionist industry. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was an illusionist for 25 years. Um, so not, not like little things at kids' parties, but full stage shows. Uh, I did magic, and um, that was pretty much the majority of my life, and it was a lot of fun, and it really, really played into film well after I, I made the trans- transition. So it's been it's been cool. It's been really cool. But uh, you, with Harvest Moon, you're doing something pretty phenomenal. You're doing an online presence as well as uh, making features, and also um, kind of being a go-to for. Um, for independent short filmmakers to go and find a place and a home for their films. Yeah. I mean, with the market, the way it is now, it it used to be, you know, theatrical, theatrical, theatrical. And now people are watching more on their devices than almost anywhere else. So what we did is we took advantage of that. And because short films are somewhat overlooked by a lot of people that watch film and if they are looked at, they're looked at for free. They want to see it for free. They want to see it for free. These people put their time and their money into it, and they deserve to be paid just like everybody else and deserve to have a platform to actually show off their, their talents and the types of films that they're doing. We've had such a variety of films that have been submitted to uh, Tales of Horror. Uh, we've had films from Spain, from Russia. Um, we had somebody from Sweden watching our, our program. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's been a great, great experience so far. That's, and also, uh, everybody, Tales of Horror is an online on our Vimeo channel, on the Vimeo channel for um, Harvest Moon. And uh, it is hosted by a wonderful character by the name of Lilith Death that Sean created. Um, and uh, can you talk about how Tales of Horror came to be? Sure. Um, essentially, I missed things like Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, uh, all these really cool shows that used to play. And... What I wanted to do was I wanted to come up with a show program that would allow other directors and other writers to highlight their own material and not necessarily be bound by one storyline. So when I was thinking about what to create, Tales of Horror came to mind because that's exactly what it is. They're, they're tales that are read from a book by Lilith Death, who's played by Jessica Felice, um, who actually also helped create her own character. Uh, we, we, we went back and forth on that, and she did a great job. But um, So these tales are read out from a book, and she does a little introduction for them, some satire, some fun stuff. And, uh, and then we get to the film. 
So it, it really does go on the lines of like Tales from the Dark Side or Tales from the Crypt. Um, two really great shows that I think, you know, ended a little bit too soon, but I think we're ready for them again. Uh, that, that style of show, at least. And thus far, like I said, I, I can't believe the response we've had. It's been phenomenal. Yay. So can you talk about what um, led you to be such a horror fan and, um, and led to you, <laughs> how you jumped from being a horror fan and how you um, came to be a director and running the studio? Oh, wow. Okay. We have a long time, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> we, have, so, we have 15 minutes. <laughs> so, so when you do magic, um, part of doing magic, if you're presenting a show, is not presenting the things that people love that are fluffy bunny things, no pun intended, but actually <laughs> taking and looking in the human psyche. What scares people? Because if you look at a good magic show, you've got things like water torture, where they're getting dropped in water and having to escape. You're in you know, spaces, you deal with fire, you deal with every, pretty, much, pretty much every fear that there is. Um, so in 2010, I took that passion after I retired from magic, and I said, okay, what should I do next? And I come up with a script idea, and I talked to Jessica Felice, who is a very good friend of mine, an actress, and she said, you should put that on paper. So I did. I came up with a movie called Soulmate, which had uh, a lot to do with Jack the Ripper. And, you know, horror I've always had a love for ever since I was a kid. And I think it's because it scared me so much. And it was one of those things where it was like, I have to face my fears. So I stopped looking at the monsters as monsters and started trying to assess why they did what they did. You know, it makes sense of it. Like with Jason, with Freddy, you have these demons of vengeance. Uh, so I wasn't really worried about it. I was like, you know, Jason's going to kill you. You're fine. I didn't do anything to him. He's not going to bother me. Uh, <laughs> you know, Freddy's the same way. Uh, but I, I have a love for horror because I have a love for getting into people's heads and, and really messing with their psyche. Not necessarily just jump scares or some kind of gory thing, but instead giving them something that's going to frighten them for the next 30 years. You know, and really just touching them to the bone with some really, really scary horror. And I just love the genre. I always have. So, and we've talked before about um, how we kind of grew up with shows like The Night Stalker and Dark Shadows and how oh, those Jack. influences, oh, Cold Jack Forever. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I love that it's kind of coming back now thanks to online, the online world has kind of, like Netflix has had The Night Stalker as part of its, its library since I've had it. Yes, and I, I love that people are rediscovering this stuff and how, like, Moonstone Comics is bringing back and has had the Night Stalker comic books for a while now, too. And it, it's interesting to me that people are kind of going back to this um, classic horror now. Like, you had Crimson Peak comes out, and we tend to be, I, and I've talked to other filmmakers about this, it seems like we're going back to find the true horror we are. We are. I mean, that was one of the reasons that I, I wanted to get this company. I wanted to take Harvest Moon. When I bought Harvest Moon back in October, the whole idea was to get a company that could go back to doing things in a more classic fashion where it wasn't just a bunch of blood and guts, but a lot of the psychological aspects of it like Hitchcock would do. Um, and at the same time, presenting it in a more modern context. So you could have a period piece, but, but do something with a more modern twist that audiences can really appreciate because our audiences have gotten a lot more intelligent as we've gone along because they've seen it all. And, you know, to have successful film, you have to please your audience and at the same time give them something they're not expecting. And I think any of us who go to horror movies, when we come out, we don't want to know what happened at the end. We're like, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? We want to be on the edge of our seat. We want to have our, our knuckles are all white as we're waiting. And, and that's just failed for quite some time now. You know, we went through the slasher phase in the 80s. And in the 90s, you know, you're dealing with, like, the Saw movies and things like that that are all blood, guts, and gore. 
And I just think the audiences have kind of gotten tired of that. There's still a genre for it and obviously still an audience for it. But I think the majority of the audiences want to see something a little more classic, which also tells you why Universal is going and bringing back their classic monsters. So uh, there's definitely something that, that's there, you know. Yeah. And, and guys, I don't want to hog him. So if you have questions, please feel free to pop in here because I'm going to pick his brain. So. Well, it also seemed in the in the late 90s, like, yeah, the Saw films were still going out, but then we kind of started to adopt a, a Japanese philosophy with horror, you oh, know, yeah. things like The Ring and things like that, when it went more from a, like, a bluntly visual scare with gore or something like that's more of a psychological scare. Yeah, and I have a problem with those films, because I think if you can't watch it with the subtitles, you shouldn't watch it anyway, because we didn't do those films justice. <laughs> We did not do those films justice. But, yeah, it, it did. It started uh, – we started recreating films that were very popular in Japan. Um, if you know anything about their culture, ghosts and, and spirits are extremely popular in their culture. And, you know, it carried over to our culture as, as a really good scare thing. Like The Ring, who wanted to put a VCR tape in, you know, which they probably don't know what VCR tapes are anymore. But you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to put one of those in. And it, it, those, are, those are good flicks. And I think Hammer coming back with a couple of really good movies has helped. Um, you know, it, it's just watching the genre swing. And all in all, I think it's like a full circle. You know, we're coming back full circle. And I'm sure in the next 10 years, it's going to go back to slasher films and, and, and so on and so forth. But it's just this large circle that we're following. But we're trying to set trends here at Harvest Moon. And that's, that's really what we're basing what we're doing on, is setting trends for future horror lovers uh, to watch and say, hey, do you remember this film? This is a great film. I wish they'd make something like this again. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. You, you mentioned um, the Universal bringing back the classic monsters, and that's kind of where uh, my favorite era of horror was, was the black and white, you know, Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, things like that. Um, they're doing it in the uh, existing universe fashion, as a lot of studios are looking for right now. Everybody wants their Marvel formula. Um, do you think this is going to be beneficial to these characters, or would you rather them just kind of try to do justice to the individual characters first before kind of smashing them all together. Well, you know, I mean, one of my favorite films is 1939 Frankenstein, you know, it's, it's visually, it was just stunning and it was black and white, but yeah, I think, I think the mashup is a little crazy. I think that they should do individual movies to establish the characters for new, new generation, new audience. Universal's taking the, the, the approach that everybody already knows these characters and perhaps they do. But it's, it's a twist that, that Universal puts on those characters that I think they should revisit and not necessarily make a remake, but definitely um, develop the characters a little bit more. Because I have a feeling what we're going to see with Universal is no storyline, a bunch of action, and, you know, very quick-paced movies because they're trying to play to an MTV generation where they're, they're underestimating their audience who really does like slow-paced movies at times that actually have good storyline and good character development that they can actually associate with and feel, you know? See, what I, I was bummed out about with the Wolfman um, redo that they did was they edited out the backstory. And in, 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 the re -rele in the release that they did, the director's cut version, they add that back in so you find out more about Lawrence. And, but I think it's right, what, what you're talking about is what they did there where they, they felt that dragged it down and it hurt the film. Yeah, and now they're doing another remake of that one. Yep. So, you know, it's like, oh, we don't have enough Wolfmen. Let's do like six more. We'll make it right. <laughs> well, and don't forget the Twilight fans out there thought that they had ripped off Stephanie Meyer with that movie. What, what's Twilight? What's, what's Twilight? 
Oh, oh, that was that bastardization of vampires. <laughs> no, I mean, every movie, every movie has its audience and, and they play to a, a very young teen audience at that point um, with Twilight. And that's that's cool. It was a very successful franchise and hats off to them for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the problem with Hollywood right now is Hollywood thinks that the answer to everything is to go back to the formula of where uh, it was a movie like Terminator was successful at one point in time, where right now we've seen so many robotic movies and there's been so much with CGI, it doesn't impress anymore. And that's that's really where we're hitting. I mean, Jurassic Park, think about it, the new Jurassic Park. It literally is the same as the old Jurassic Park, except they've got more people, uh, you know, more food for the for the dinosaurs to eat. And there was a Bush and Clinton running at that time, too. So I feel like I've gone back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Well, and, and the thing that um, the thing that I take from it is the online presence, which you're utilizing quite well is is a, a place that we can go to and do all sorts of sorts of things in terms of of the industry that has hey 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 be careful that's dangerous doing all sorts of things at home Jeez. i know i i know <laughs> <laughs> well we know that that's going on i'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> i'm sorry jessica you stepped right into that i, I did oh, it's on. um so, but what i'm but it, it is it's a cool playground for filmmakers and artists to go to now where you can take advantage of so many different things and um you know, we've seen um, like online murder mysteries happen using Instagram or we've you we've seen um, like ca cartoon series happen that would never have been done before. And it's really amazing and such a great place to go with the industry. How do you how do you feel about that now as being part of this? Where do you see it going? Well, one of the reasons I decided to do the online format is because my directors don't have to edit what they have. You know, they don't have to sit there and compromise because the, the you know, the, the Movie Association of America doesn't like, you know, the fact that they have a nude scene where, oh, my God, she showed butt three times and it's only supposed to be two. It, it's they can do what they want with it, you know, within limits, obviously. We don't want to put porn out there, but um, it, it is definitely something that people have adapted to. I mean, everywhere you look, people have their smartphones, they have their tablets, they have their laptops. Uh, when you're on an airplane and you're bored, you know, download Tales of Horror. And there's there's all kinds of things you can do with this. And the platform itself is really starting to pick up. And and they're seeing it at the theaters. I mean, you're paying, what, $10.75, $11, sometimes $13 for a ticket to go see a movie for two hours? And people are just, they can't afford it anymore. And that's you know? not including the, the popcorn and the drink. Which oh, let's not even talk pop. about the popcorn. So you got to put down a, a down payment on a Porsche with that stuff. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I can actually, I, I worked for a movie theater for a couple of years. I can actually tell you why concessions are so expensive. Well, it's because, it's because they don't make a lot of money on the film itself. They make, if a theater has a good deal, they'll see 10 cents from a ticket sale. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to make yeah. it somewhere. And, and fortunately, you know, for us who can't afford to spend $9 for popcorn or $12 for a large soda, there are the little mini marts around the corner that specialize in those same oh, yeah. candies. <laughs> Yeah, but, but the problem is now, unfortunately, with the world we live in and circumstances that a lot of theaters are being more stringent on bag checks and things like that, which, yeah. again, Actually, unfortunately, I, you kind of have to in this current environment. You absolutely do. And I mean, I, I can appreciate them looking out for the safety of their customers. I think that's so important. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all joking aside, though, um, yeah, I mean, 
theatrical release and, and, and seeing a movie in a theater has its own experience. And that's why we still do movies that are going to get theatrical release, that are going out there, that we're looking for theatrical. But for something like Tales of Horror and, and some of the, the smaller films that don't have a bunch of budget to cover, uh, online platforms are the perfect place for them. Exactly. So, Sean, can you talk about what's upcoming with um, with Harvest Moon and Tales of Horror, and what um, what your plans are for the future of of the the uh, studio? Um, well, let's see. For Tales of Horror coming up, uh, we have a Christmas Eve special that we're doing. We're actually going to give that special away. Yay! So it's the first time that we're going to give give an episode away, and that episode is, of course, going to have some some short films in it. But it's also going to cover what we've already done in the last four or five episodes, as well as what's coming up uh, for next year, which I think will be really cool. Uh, and then Tales of Horror in season two, what we're going to be doing with Tales of Horror is taking some of the directors and writers that we've used from season one, and we're going to start writing our own show uh, in which like one, one director and writer will do one episode. The second director and writer has to pick up from that episode. So they're, they're essentially having to, to model their episode after the first one. And so it kind of tie, everything ties in together, which I think will be pretty cool. Um, and then we've got some features uh, on tap for next year, The Haunted being our first, uh, which is a, a gothic horror tale. It takes place in the 1890s. It should be pretty cool. And we have a movie called Manifestation, which is a pretty eerie Lovecraftian-style film. Uh, we have a, an alien horror film called They that we'll be doing. And so, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot coming up. And then two other television series that we're working on getting up distributed through actual network television right now. And, and what's cool about um, the horror films that you're doing, specifically like The Haunted and stuff, you, you, it, it, and with just uh, Harvest Moon in general, is you're an international company. Yes. You've, you've got, um, where, where are all you, uh, the offices located? We have offices in Burbank, California. We have offices in Cardiff, Wales. We have offices in Washington, D.C., and we're looking to get an office up in Canada. Nice. So, and I mean, the goal of the studio eventually is to build our own large facility. I mean, that is the bottom line goal is to have our own studio that we can allow other filmmakers who can't afford to go to the big studios and make movies come and make quality pictures. Nice. And Carl, did you have something? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. Carl, Carl's just chilling. Carl's just like, Carl's hey, just talk. chilling. Let's go, just talk away. <laughs> well, awesome. So, um, I, Sean, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, we're about to run out of time, but I want to I want to say thank you for coming on. And I appreciate it. I think this is going to be a phenomenal thing for everybody that's a horror fan, and not just horror, but sci-fi and and just good storytelling. And for the artists out there, um, a studio like this is just a great place to go because it's all about the artists. And that's what it is. We are an artist-friendly studio. And I can't thank you enough for having me on. You guys have been great. And thanks for letting me do the thumbs up, thumbs down. I was, <laughs> I was feeling a little left out. <laughs> yeah, if, we, if I brought you on a little bit earlier, you would have heard the arguing back and forth about Batman versus Superman. Oh, man. Yeah. I would have got in on that. Oh, man. You probably would have been on my side on that one. I think it was me and Carl versus Eric on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to standing alone. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> well, great. Thank you guys so much. And um, yes, uh, tomorrow is Star Wars Day as of this recording. So everyone be sure to go out and support this poor little movie that no one knows about. Yeah. Support independent film. <laughs> it's, a low, it's a low budget affair, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, I just got my Darth Vader oranges, so I know that they're really <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised no, got... they. I'm surprised they I didn't did... like 
GMO grow like some sort of BB-8 orange that had like the white? <laughs> this is here's. I did some Christmas shopping today for my wife, and one of the places I stopped was Bed Bath and Beyond. There is a Darth Vader wine corkscrew. All right, guys, I got to go. I'm going to get that. I'm going to go get that. Dark <laughs> oh, God. Oh, for the dark side alcoholic in your life. It, Are you kidding? I, be, I'm so mad at I, Jessica. No, <laughs> this is, I, I saw it. I was like, this movie is everywhere. I went to Kohl's, every section of Kohl's, every section, including women's intimate apparel, has a Star Wars section. Oh, I got to go there, too. <laughs> I want a Captain Phasma plank today. So, you know, it was funny because Jessica wasted five hours of my time yesterday because she sent me the Darth Vader Yule Log. And I sat there and watched that stupid <laughs> thing. They added the crackling fire sound effect to it, too. That was, that was great. Now, see, they should have put the Darth Vader breathing in it. and <laughs> You can hear him start choking up a little bit as the smoke gets in his face. Then you hear, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, with that, lovely image uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Um, I believe we will have a show next week, even though it is Christmas. Um but we will be on next week, and thank you again, Sean. And don't forget, next week there will be a free episode of Tales of Horror for you to download and watch, and that will be up on Christmas Eve, correct? Christmas Eve, and then the 26th we have the full episode again. So, yeah. Yep. There Two episodes go. in one week. Twice the horror. Twice the horror. One of them for free. Get that dark gift of Lilith Death, who is amazing, by the way. I still can't believe she does her own makeup. That's just great. Oh, my God. I know. She's fantastic. She really is. She is. So um, thank you again, guys, for listening, and we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Happy Star Wars Day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>